Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Welcome back to, I, I'm surprised we even survived week three. We're back. It's almost like we pulled ourselves out of the grave. Fun Belt Podcast with me is Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record and Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. But guys, we have a lot to talk about and not all of it's good. In fact, a lot of it is very painful to bring up, but because you and I are professionals and, and we're doing a service for the Sunbelt community, we're going to go back on this week three. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened, maybe pick, maybe, I don't know, pick a few things out of the fire that we can look at as positives. And Alabama maybe, just scored again, by the way. <laughs> Did you? All right, Mark. Did, first of all, you stepped on my big intro, but that's fine. Alabama just scored again. <laughs> did you watch that game? Unfortunately, I did. 21 yeah. nothing, five minutes in. Yeah. I like, It was, it was like 14 to zero, like, before I even turned on my app. I was like, what the hell's going on? With ULM, I think a lot of us had, you know, it was fifty points, yeah. fifty point spread. I I, I missed that one because I I had faith in ULM and the Warhawks in, in Coach Bowen Bowden Bowen Coach Bowden, and he let me down. So that was yet a, another letdown. Let me tell you something, Shane. You guys at JMU were fortunate to miss the shit show. <laughs> That was week three. Congratulations. Well done placing that buy at week three. I was like, who has a buy at week three? What a genius move. Yeah. I don't <clears throat> was it bad karma? Is that just that they were able to avoid that? I don't know. It's a <laughs> I think you guys <laughs> or could have been, or could have JMU saved the entire league with the big win if they'd been able to play. I, I to think say. just in the way James Madison who would later on become president, but at the time when he was part of Continental Congress, when he realized that the nation needed to have an organized way to collect national taxes, James Madison University recognized that they had not had to avoid week three at any cost. I don't know what you just said, Jeremy, but sure. <laughs> I'm reading this biography of James Madison. I opened it up like six months ago and I'm still reading it. It is a thick, book it's a coloring book jeremy i'm learning a lot about james madison tibbs what was the most disappointing loss of the week i think the one that hurt the most quite honestly was probably the best game of the weekend of app state troy i think troy beat the mountaineers in that game every which way but on the scoreboard i know that's the part that counts the most but when you have to rely on that last second 53 yard chase bryce heave to Christian Horn for the miracle on the mountaintop 2.0, as they call it. That's not a good game for you. And, and, and I think the Trojans with Gunnar Watson, 302 yards, the Trojans are good. You just got to hope that they're not hanging their head moping around this week when they host the Thundering Herd. You know, we thought that Gunnar Watson might be in trouble because they brought in the, the, the Western Kentucky quarterback there at the last second. Maybe Gunnar Watson's not the guy. But he's put in some pretty good games. So maybe Gunnar Watson is the guy. Shane, what was to you, what was the most disappointing game for the Sun Belt? It's hard for me to choose between Marshall <laughs> uh-huh. and Georgia State. Because I thought I thought both of those teams would win by at least two touchdowns. Absolutely. I think and, you and I said so much, didn't we? Yeah, and <clears throat> I, I might go with Georgia State just because right. I thought Charlotte was bad. And I thought Georgia State had shown some stuff in the first couple of weeks without getting that victory and that they'd be fired up to really hammer a team that they knew they could beat. And they just seem to play to the level of their competition, no matter who it is. 
Shane, is it time to kind of pump the brakes on Georgia State and say, these guys aren't really ready to compete with the higher end Sunbelt teams of the, of the Sunbelt East? Perhaps. I mean, they've got to show more. Like, like I said, it's just, but maybe they can't. Cause like I said, they're playing to the level of their competition. They're right there with North Carolina. They're relatively competitive yeah. with South Carolina. And then they play a team that's not anywhere near on the level of those power five teams. And they're really, I mean, they were lucky to make it as close as they did at the end. So yeah, what does they, that mean for this week when you say they play at the level, but they're playing a struggling coastal Carolina team this week? I don't know. I mean, it might be two teams that are just kind of <laughs> sleepwalking because I mean, coastal's, Three and oh, but has not been extremely impressive. Yeah, Georgia State oh and three, and both yeah. of them are both as 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 impressive as the other, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, neither one of them seems to be rising to the challenge. It's kind of odd. Yeah, look at that one. I'll tell you the game, I, but all of you mentioned really disappointing games. Uh, the game that really disappointed, other than our, my Arkansas State losing to Memphis in, in spectacular fashion. I don't know if you. You saw the fourth quarter of that game. But they look good in the icy whites again. <laughs> the, the, this, yes. If, if it were a modeling competition, Arkansas State would win. Hand. National champs. <laughs> uh, yo, that South Bama game versus UCLA. So disappointing. I believe Womack tried to do some sort of fake field goal that didn't work out. Bruins get the ball back, win the game. Very dispiriting. I, I was telling Tibbs before the show started, I had a little money on that. Not a lot. I don't bet a lot of money. But I, I really thought South Alabama was going to win that game outright. I thought, for, for that matter, I thought uh, 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 Old Dominion was going to win that game outright. Another very disappointing result. And, yeah, let's talk a little bit, guys, about Marshall losing to Bowling Green. Is it just a matter of Marshall having that, Notre Dame hangover, or is there something a foul at Marshall? Thibodeau, I will let you – why don't you explain that to us? Well, backing up real quick to that South Alabama-UCLA game, what was even worse, I had to listen to the UCLA call while I was driving to the Rice Stadium for the Louisiana and Rice game. And so I had to hear the ecstatic UCLA radio guy just going crazy after they beat. South Alabama, which was great that they were celebrating beating uh-huh. a Sunbelt Conference team. You don't hear that very often. Not often. But it hurt. It really hurt hearing that, knowing that they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Just a the Marshall game, though. Yeah. I think they just couldn't make the defensive stop. I think that that loss is really on that herd defense because the offense got almost 550 yards, but yeah. only three touchdowns. <laughs> and once again, Kalan Laburn. 158, two touchdowns. The offense was ticking, but that defense just could not make the stop when they needed it. What do you think happened, Shane? I mean, I think it could be a little bit of the hangover from Marshall. Like you said, they had, you know, ton of national media dropping in all week and things like that. So if they're not necessarily used to possibly also Notre Dame's just not that good. And, you know, you know, it's a good win for Marshall, but maybe that doesn't make Marshall a, you know, top 25 caliber team necessarily that they were able to get that win. It's hard to say, but I still think they should have been able to handle Bowling Green. But uh-huh. it, that makes that almost is kind of what makes the Georgia State loss so much worse for me. Is that you know, Marshall, they had some other outside factors involved. Georgia State should have been extremely up for that game, and they just weren't. All the motivation in the world to win cannot yeah. find that motivation. But I'll tell you, all right, here's a game that, that's sort of flying beneath the radar. And maybe it's because it didn't happen in the East. Everybody's talking about the Sun Belt East, and for good reason. A lot of good things are happening in the East. But we've talked about this on the show before for the last couple of weeks, that maybe the Cajuns lost too much uh, during uh, the departure of their head coach, Billy Napier, going to Florida. Uh, maybe Mike DiGiorno not quite having – uh, enough experience to bring it all together. They go into to Rice, uh, historically a very intelligent school. You know, there's great research going on at Rice. Not always a very good football school. Not known to be a good football school this year. They come into Rice, and I think they get like 140 total yards against Rice's defense. Tibbs, what happened? I don't know. I, I got the feeling even once I got to the game, 
just that they were going through the motions and were not really there. And then the first turnover of the season was an interception by Chandler Fields, and I think that really set the tone because that was the Cajuns' opening drive. Now, the defense looked pretty good. They were playing lights out, forcing three turnovers, but the offense just did not move the ball and had a lot of three-and-out possessions. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's the the surprising thing because we kind of look to the Cajuns as sort of that Western team that can not only put up good defense but can put up good offense. So now I'm wondering, you know, <laughs> it's also kind of funny that it's Eastern Michigan that they beat, right? The Cajuns beat Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan goes to Arizona State and gets Herm Edwards fired. So it's not like the Cajuns haven't played fairly good teams. It's just what the hell happened in Rice? So I don't know. It seems like this whole this whole crescendo of losses, all of, none of them were really blowouts except for maybe Texas State and uh, Baylor. None of them were really like like oh god, what's happening here? Except <laughs> except apparently the win of Coastal Carolina over Buffalo. Everybody's almost treating that like a loss for Coastal Carolina. Is there some positives we can take out of this week, Thibodeau? Um, I think the positives, the offenses looked like they were ticking everywhere except for Texas State <laughs> and, and really at ULM as well, that, that the offense is just sputtered yeah. out, but playing, you know, big boy ball. Combined I, 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 think the, yeah. I think the concerning thing is Southern Miss. Yes, they got the big win, their first win of the year over FCS Northwestern State. 64 to 10. But both quarterbacks actually looked pretty good in Ty Keys and Zach Wickey, your your guy, Zach Wickey. Are we back to having a two-quarterback at at, at Southern Miss as opposed to just going with Wickey that, that looked good against Miami? From what I heard, Ty, Ty, what's his name, Ty? Keys. Keys got hurt in Miami and that's how Wiki got in and did really well. And that's why Wiki got the start. And then Wiki wasn't showing the magic, which I don't know how you not show magic against the opponent that they had and end up winning 64 to 10, but then they brought back Ty in there and then uh, that wrapped it up. I don't know if they've solved their quarterback conundrum in Southern Miss. We thought they did, but maybe I they did. Until they have a quarterback, the Golden Eagles are, are going to continue to struggle. And as far as that Baylor game, Shane, did you see any of that Baylor game? I didn't see any of it. I, okay, I, was, bit, but I didn't see any of it. I watched a little bit of it. Uh, I was <laughs> tailgating and, and had it on my iPhone. And I was watching some of it. And it, it was kind of funny because Thibodeau was was texting all of us, ah, uh, uh, Bobcats look terrible. And I was looking. I was like, oh, yeah, I feel like the Bobcats are doing okay. They're they're uh, uh, they're kind of keeping up with Baylor. I think Baylor had like a 14-0 lead kind of early, and then Lane Hatcher led the Bobcats to a, a really nice scoring drive. And I thought, okay, all right, they figured something out. Then suddenly it was something like forty-eight to, to seven. <laughs> I don't know what to say about the Bobcats <laughs> except that I, I don't feel like they're ready. Um, I don't know what I, what else to say. Shay, did you pick up any good vibes from this week? I think if I'm going to look at it positively, okay, it 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 was a situation where you know we, we talked about nobody looked that terrible. Yeah, everybody kind of had that like lackadaisical game at the same time. And if you take this week and Suppose South Alabama makes a better decision and they get a win against UCLA. We're talking about another Sunbelt Power Five victory instead of a bad week for Sunbelt. If if um if ODU just keeps UVA off the board on the last second of the game, same thing. Maybe we got two more Power Five victories that we're talking about for the Sunbelt instead of talking about how they had a losing record. You know, even you know, Arkansas State, throw them into the mix. They could very easily have had all three of those victories that would have looked really good and then we're not talking about georgia state at all because georgia state's just <laughs> georgia state's just that team that doesn't look like they're gonna compete and like no and nobody wants to be zero and three against cusa that is definitely yeah. not a prescription for success um i'm sure csa is kind of like 
sneering and having fun at our expense yeah. for that. But I, I think we can all admit, though, that Sunbelt's still the best conference in all college football. Am I right? I, I mean, ESPN basically declared it during game day. So I, yeah, think, I, saw that. I think that makes it official. And, and I think that's what was important also was with that game day experience, you know, uh, Jay Crane even said it last week, you just don't want to kind of shit the bed when you have the national spotlight on you with game day. Uh-huh. And I think that game lived up to the hype. I mean, don't get me wrong. That was a great game. <clears throat> yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, we're sitting here breaking down every Sunbelt game and going over the entire conference's record and everything. That's for the hardcore fans. For the national audience, uh, they just remember that there was a thriller in App at App State, and you know, and South Alabama almost pulled off another one, and that's what they're going to remember about the Sun Belt for for the casual, not even the casual, just like you know, the national college football audience. That's what they're going to remember about the Sun Belt this week. We're the ones sitting here breaking down like, oh, they didn't win enough against Conference USA. That's <laughs> Shane. Thank you for talking us off the ledge. I, I can't speak for Thibodeau, although I'm going to speak for Thibodeau. Thibodeau and I were both on the ledge, ready to to jump into the river, call it quits, because we're so vested in the sun, but it's good to hear the perspective. But yes, you know, we did put on a good show for for uh, uh, College Game Day, and nothing but gushing praise for the city of Boone, for the fans that turned out. And yeah, I, I think Tibbs was right. I think Troy won that game, even though the scoreboard said otherwise. It showed that Appalachian State wasn't the only game in town for the Sun Belt. That you had Troy come in and say, "Listen, man, we're a, we're a Sun Belt original gangster. We've been around here a lot longer than Appalachian State has been. You're gonna have to go through us first. So that was a great statement, I thought that Troy made. One last game on the weekend there, kind of a disappointment, but I, I don't really know why it was a disappointment. Georgia Southern fell at UAB 35-21. Van Trees with three interceptions. Was the passing game for the Eagles finally exposed, or was this just a bad game? Is UAB that much better? What happened? Um, that's the kind of game that, to me, kind of like gets me just thinking, like, <clears throat> you look at college football as a whole, and there's a handful of absolutely elite teams and then how much difference is there between everybody else? Like, mm. you know, that, you know, Nebraska is not good, but Georgia Southern goes and wins on the road to Nebraska. And then, you know, UAB looks that much better than Georgia Southern. And same thing with, you know, a Marshall or, you know, South Alabama is not the favorite in the West. Maybe they should be, but like you didn't go into the season being the favorite in the West. And they're right there with a solid pack 12 team. I, just you know as we inch towards that expanded playoff it kind of justifies why they're doing it because there's outside of you know the alabamas and the kansases of the world that no just kidding but you know (laughs) you know there seems there's like a handful of exceptional elite teams and then there's everybody else and most of the sunbelt is in that everybody else category i think so did anybody log into watchstadium.com to watch that game? No, I followed it via the GameCast. <laughs> okay. I think part of the disappointment, too, is that we kind of had this idea that maybe UAB wasn't very good. They had just lost to Liberty. Uh, Liberty isn't as good as they, they had been in years past. And then Georgia Southern just looked like they had too much firepower. And maybe this is just sort of a check. Uh, a a brake pump, if you will, on Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, to me, is a team that probably has a lot still to grow on. You know, new system, new coach. You know, they get these big wins at the beginning of the year. Suddenly we expect them to contend in the East. But I I think Georgia Southern fans probably just really need to enjoy uh, this season for what it is. It's a rebuild season. And wow, they got some great wins at the beginning. And maybe they'll continue to win, maybe not, but I, I feel like they should be more relaxed. Which, hey, by the way, speaking of relaxed, you know, I was at Memphis for the A-State Memphis game. Memphis fans are usually the least relaxed fans I've ever been around. They're always grousing. Uh, they're always upset with the team. They, they've sort of sort of got a, a blue mood, and sometimes they just want to fight. Like, I, the closest I've ever been into a fight has <laughs> always been at Memphis games. I tell you there, because the team, is not expected really to, to, to do too much this season. 
they're in a pretty good mood. I think Georgia Southern could do probably do well to emulate that. Just enjoy the season and see how it gets, see what builds up. All the talk on the gridiron. It's also time for the girls and guys to take the pitch for soccer. Guys, we got shown up last week when we talked about Southern Miss being winless and having only one goal. They went out in their opener, took a 3-1 win over Marshall. They're now sitting tied with Texas State in the West for the lead. <laughs> Who'd have known? Yeah. I know that Texas State ladies destroyed my Red Wolves 2-1. to one. That's so, not really destroying soccer. Is that not a destroy? Because I figured... 3-1 to one would be a destroy. Double them up. Yeah, yeah, that's like a fifteen or a seven win in baseball, right? So, yeah. But in the uh, East, no surprise, the new kids, James Madison and Old Dominion, with our former guests, yeah, Coach Hine. <clears throat> they got a big one on Thursday in Harrisonburg. Power of the show. Yeah. That, for, on the women's side, Jamie's defense is legit. They got to find somebody who can put the ball in the goal, but. They're pitching shutouts almost every time out. That's my women's soccer tidbit of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did get a shutout. I pass on that too. <laughs> they did get the shutout there in their, their opener at Coastal Carolina, just like Old Dominion got a 1 0 shutout at Louisiana to open their season. But guys, back to football. It's second and short. Second and short. You know what? Is this not? your favorite segment of the show until it's time to edit it <laughs> no it's an easy edit all right here we go you guys ready yep yes all right it's second and short you know the rules guys. we've got two minutes to discuss upcoming sunbelt games after that two minutes we, we move on to the next game and we do that because we do not want to dominate people's lives with football talk Although that's what they that's what they want from us, right, Tibbs? They want to be dominated, right? Some people do. Normally you gotta pay extra though. They want to be dominated in a reasonable amount. That's great. We don't want to get thrown in jail for over domination. September twenty-second, we have our first Thursday night game. We've had a Friday night game. I think the first Sunday game of the year was a Friday night game. We have our first Thursday night game of the year. September twenty-second. Coastal Carolina at Georgia State, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2. I'm going to toss this to Shane. Shane, what are we going to see out of this game? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully more inspired effort from both teams. Uh, you know, Coastal, you know, they're 3-0 and and just kind of coasted to that. And, I mean, I felt like the first week against Army, that's a solid win. Army's mm-hmm. always going to throw you three for a loop. They took care of business there, and then they have not been very impressive beating two bad teams over the past couple of weeks. And like we were talking about before, Georgia Southern, they just played to the level of their competition. And uh, Georgia quite. State. Georgia State, whoops. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay, I'm going to be in trouble. We will get hate mail. Yes. <laughs> they played to the level of the competition. They haven't been, you know, good enough to win any of those games. And, yeah, it's just been disappointed with them especially the last week against charlotte um i think i'm picking coastal because they seem to be the ones to find a way to win but uh yeah i would just like to see an entertaining game out of these two on national television i think there's a wrong shame the beach (laughs) chickens are leaving home for the first time in 2022 headed to the atl yeah i'm going for sean elliott and darren granger to ruin their road trip out of the, out of the beach. You know they are shake or shake. Uh, tips, you're absolutely right. Coastal Carolina hasn't left Conway all year. This will be their first trip. They're gonna face a, a Georgia State team that may or may not be up for this game. But Shane, here's one thing: you said you hope for an entertaining game. Grayson versus Granger should be an interesting game, don't you think? It should. It should. Yeah. Just. Hope that they bring some energy to, like, what's really the first national TV audience for a Sun Belt conference game. And the return of Pickney to Atlanta. Oh, absolutely right. Our time says no. Vegas says two and a half points for the chance. So we'll just have to see. 
September 24th, we have a whole slate of games, and a lot of them start at 6, not this one. James Madison at Appalachian State, 2.30 p.m. on the ESPN+. Plus. Shane, you've got to be the guy that breaks this down for us. Tell us what we're going to see. Um, we're going to see a raucous Black Saturday atmosphere in Boone. I'm going to see it in person. Um, my first trip down there. I'm excited. Right. Um, I think it's going to be a competitive game. I only give App the edge playing at home, but I think you know JMU's been preparing for this one for, you know, they had the bye week. They've had two weeks to get ready for this one. I think they're going to have a good fight, but I'll give App the edge playing at home. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's hard to win at Boone. But then again, James Masson got the bye. Is the bye going to make a difference, Thibodeau? Maybe. I, I see this either being a App State win, hands down, like there's no tomorrow. JMU, good run, but remember that you're an FCS call-up, like you're supposed to have been all season. Or James Madison went all in on the bye week starting their season off and they go in for the upset just like Troy had last week at App State. Yeah, this kind of feels to me almost not to say James Madison's not a good team. They are a good team, but it's almost like a trap game for the Mountaineers who, who to me seem like they've been burning way too hot right now. You know, you beat the number six team in the land. You, you, you have that really tight game uh, with, uh, what was it, uh, UNC to start out. You, you, you put out all those points, didn't quite get the victory. Now you have a Hail Mary to win against Troy. Maybe the luck is running out for Appalachian State. It is, it's interesting that it's been now a solid month of there being something kind of outside of the game itself for App State every week, whether it's, you know, bringing in extra bleachers for UNC or game day or, you know, upsetting a uh, top 10 team. And now it's like Black Saturday, which I'm learning is a big deal. It's, it's interesting. They've got something every week so far that's uh, kind of outside of the game to uh, deal with. So Vegas has it, Mountaineers minus eight. I, 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 I don't know what to do with that one. That's a pretty close call. I think App beats the spread in the end. But man, that feels dangerous for Mountaineers. Speaking of dangerous, you know what has become dangerous to the Sun Belt? Uh, attention? No, the MAC. Ball State at Georgia Southern, 5 p.m. on ESPN+. Again, I'm going to turn to Shane. Shane, what are we going to see out of this game? Oh, that is a good question. <laughs> what do we know about Ball? We don't know anything about Ball. I don't know much about Ball. David Letterman is there. The David yes. Letterman is a graduate of Ball State. Famously slow. Or slow. Yes. Yeah. I look for Georgia Southern to probably bounce back a little okay. bit in this one. Um, they'll be excited to be at home after hitting the road a couple times. Uh, probably would have had a little more momentum from their fan base if they were coming right back from Nebraska after that win. But I think it'll be, you know, a pretty a pretty solid Georgia Southern crowd ready to kind of kind of lead them through. They, they're the favorites. They should go ahead and take care of business in one. I think it's still a pretty a pretty good Georgia Southern team that can can win this one. Eagles have the home field advantage. Is that all they need uh, to do? I think so. I think Vantrese rebounds from his three interception game last week at UAB and comes back to lead the Sun Belt over the Mac. Do you think the nine and a half points Vegas says is a little bit uh, kind of more looking at that Nebraska shine than that that reality versus what they did against uh, uh, against uh, oh god who did Georgia Morgan State do? yes. Are you oh, Morgan, Morgan State's a bad FCS team, so anybody was going to be able to put up crazy numbers against that team. I think this is really their first, their second test. I think UAB was actually a test for them that they failed. So let's see what they do whenever they get knocked down. Is this the game that Vantries can carry them back into the win column, or is this going to be another fall flat? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if that experiment with Clay Hilton continues to work. Here's one that is a, 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 a sort of contrast of styles. Arkansas State at Old Dominion, 5 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Dusty, what do you think you're going to see from this game? I think they're mirror teams, honestly. 
Really? I, I really think that they are one and the same team in different Ooh. uniforms. Okay, explain, please. I think that we've seen pretty good play from James Blackman James at the quarterback Blackman. position of the Red Wolves, as well as the Wolf of ODU. I think that name is going to be tempting of the Red Wolves. That's right. But, Hayden Wolf should be playing for the Arkansas State. Why hasn't that happened? But I, I just think that that ODU at home gets the, the bump for the win. If this was at Arkansas State, I think Arkansas State would get the win. But I'm giving them the home field advantage to the Monarchs. See, to me, Shane, Old Dominion invites low-scoring games. Arkansas State likes to score in bursts. Who, which, whose side is is going to benefit more? I don't know. I kind of like ODU. Just their defense has been able to keep that tempo down, no matter who they're playing so far this year. And yeah, at home, that that stadium is it's interesting. It gives them a home field advantage. It's a very compact twenty thousand seat stadium. People are right on top of that place. Um, Ask uh, Virginia Tech, right? Exactly. And, you know, they obviously get really up for that. But because of those home games that they have, they sold a huge amount of season tickets this year. They'll get a student crowd. I expect it to be, you know, if not a sellout, a pretty close to the sellout crowd there in a, in a smaller stadium. I think ODU, I think they'll kind of be the one that kind of controls the tempo at home in this one. That could be true. I feel like Arkansas State will have lo- uh, learned a lot from the loss to Memphis. I think that they... they Homer take. <laughs> I, I do. Monarchs are a five and a point five point favorite. I think that line has gone up from four. I've seen as high as six. I think that trip to the East Coast is always brutal for Arkansas State to make. I do think that, that the Monarchs win. Maybe not by the points, but I think they do win. All right. You know what? It's not all Sunbelt versus Sunbelt. There's still a few games going on between other conferences. This is a, a prime example. Southern Miss at Tulane, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Tibbs, I'm going to throw this one to you. You know, you're kind of a citizen of Louisiana. You understand Tulane more, probably more than me and Shane do. What are we going to see out of this game? Roll wave. The wave, <laughs> wave are coming in after beating Kansas State last week. Kansas yeah. State, another team that's kind of down right now, but Tulane able to go on the road and get that win. I think that they beat Southern Miss. And once again, until Southern Miss settles the quarterback, I will not pick the Eagles again this year. Yeah, you know, Southern Miss really pounded Norfolk, uh, like 64 to 10, right? And they actually didn't play just Wilkie and Keys. They played four guys behind center. They didn't play Norfolk, though. They played uh, Northwestern State. My bad, my bad. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I got that. The Demons, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Tulane is playing on another level with that big win. Shane, do you see anything in this quarter, quarterback controversy? I, I honestly haven't seen the quarterbacks from Southern Miss this year, mm-hmm. so it's hard to say much. But, yeah, <clears throat> the old adage... If you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Ooh, yeah. And, you know, it kind of seems to be where they're at right now. I think, you know, maybe somebody will emerge and take this. It's early. They've had to adjust on the fly already to get in this season. But Tulane's a really well-coached team. Willie Fretz has been one of my favorite coaches for a long time. And I think, you know, they're going to handle handle Southern Miss fairly easily after showing what they can do at, at Kansas State. Yeah, I, I kind of... And Will Hall will soak another shirt. <laughs> yeah. When can we lower the humidity for Will Hall? Uh, yeah, I feel like this is a bad game for Southern Miss, and it might be the most lopsided game for the Sun Belt. And that's not taking anything from Southern Miss. Southern Miss, Miss is still growing. I just feel like Tulane really has a good team this year. And I think, you know, the Green Wave... Supposed to win by 13, according to Vegas. I, I, I think they beat that spread. All right, you know, uh, it, it, it's not a Sunbelt schedule, at least through the four weeks, until you get, you know, a Sunbelt versus FCS program game. And this week it's Texas State at Houston, or Houston Baptist at Texas State. Texas State coming off that 
gross loss against Baylor. This game's at 6 o'clock, ESPN 3. I don't know if anybody's really going to be watching it, but if they do, what do you want to see from the Bobcats? I'm going to throw that to you, uh, uh, Thibodeau. They better beat the ever-looking mess out of the Huskies <laughs> because this is a terrible team, terrible program. I don't think that they've hit double digits in the history of the Houston Baptist program. Thanks. If, if Texas State can't win this, this is where you start saying, Spav, it's been great knowing you, but here's a box. Right, because surely FIU is a better program than Houston Baptist, right? Way better. I go ahead. When did when did all these Texas schools start becoming Division One to begin? Like all of a sudden, there was a Houston Baptist and a Dallas Baptist and Abilene Christian, like like <laughs> D one, and I don't even know when it happened. It's, yeah, they need to take care of business. That's what it's kind of like when suddenly your kitchen's full of gnats. That's what happens in Texas. That just Football programs just sprout out of nothing. It's, it's, it's just the way of Texas. It's the Lone Star State. It's the miracle of the Alamo. It, it, but it, it, it manifests itself in football programs. You, you don't know that, Shane, because you're a creature of the East. Me and, and, and Thibodeau being uh, Southerners, we understand how that works. Don't question it. I, I'm, a, I'm a native Kansan, which is... You know, oh, okay. Kansas, Kansas is Texas light, so I, I, I get it. <laughs> and, and, and Dallas Baptist is only good in D1 in baseball. They are yeah. D2 in basketball, and they have no football. And they play some lacrosse. I, I feel obligated to mention that. Thank God we managed to fill up those two minutes, because that's hard when there's an FCS program that we don't quite understand. But then it comes back to what I feel like might be the premier Sunbelt on Sunbelt game of the, of the week. Not, not quite. There is actually one more that is the premier. We'll get to that last. But this one's pretty good. Uh, sort of a, a new Sunbelter against a Sunbelt original gangster. Marshall at Troy. 6 p.m. NFL Network. I'm going to throw this over to Shane first. Shane, what do you see coming out of this game? I think it's going to be super, super competitive. Troy showed that they're their team that can play with just about anybody. And like I said, they're getting great quarterback play, maybe more than expected. They should be fired up to come back after that loss. It, if it wasn't a devastating loss, then it should be something that they should be able to bounce back from, too. But Marshall has something to prove now. You know, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about, like, how long can Marshall stay undefeated? Will there be game day there in October, you know? And, you know, they've got something to prove. I expect it to be a super competitive game. Just, you know, just a real, a real alley brawl. Like, I think it'll be a fun one to watch. I'm going to try to get that on my phone driving back from, uh, from Boone. Now, Dusty, I know you have opinions on, on Troy's performance against Appalachian State. Are they going to bring that up against Marshall? I think so. I think I think if you're Summerall, you you definitely bring it up and, and talk about how you were overshadowed by one place. So you got to make sure that you're in position to make that one additional play to get the win. I like I like Marshall, but I think Troy gets the edge because it's at home. You know, Troy kind of I, I don't know why, but this kind of reminds me of a, a several years ago. Uh, um, 2017, maybe, maybe 2016. Troy was named, put in the top 25 for the first time. They're 25th uh, named uh, AP top 25. They're number 25. But it was good news for the Sun Belt. And the next week, Arkansas State beat Troy at Troy. I feel like Marshall's kind of that same boat. They were about to, yeah, they're about to be the darling of the Sun Belt. They're about to break into that top 25, and they lose to Bowling Green. That said, I feel like Troy wins this game. I just feel like they're better put together. Ooh. Ooh. This next game. What do you think about Louisiana Tech, uh, Dusty? Tuck fact. Uh, absolutely, yes. Louisiana Tech at South Alabama, 
6 p.m. ESPN Plus. I just... Dusty, what do you think of this game? I wouldn't care who they were playing. I would pick them. <laughs> over, 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 over that school in Ruston. Tibbs has no love for Louisiana Tech. But, you know, Sunbelt, not many people have love for Louisiana Tech. I've always viewed them as kind of a tough program in any sport. Don't know if they're so tough this year. Shane, what do you have? What do you think about this game from your perspective way out there on the East Coast? Similar to some of the others we talked about is how you bounce back. Mm. We talked about both Marshall and Troy going against each other. Like, how South Alabama bounced back from, you know, a loss that was really on their coach. So how do the players respond to that? How do the coaching staff respond to that? It's it'll be really interesting to see just you know how they can come out because I think I think that's a talented team and they, they showed that they're a talented team at UCLA. But Louisiana Tech is like you said they're usually tough. I mean that's a program that you come to expect to be near the top of the Conference USA. Um, you know, if we take all the Sunbelt hatred of Louisiana Tech and what their former AD said out of it, it it's a solid win for anybody in the Sunbelt to beat Louisiana Tech. I really want to see how Southern, how South Alabama bounces back from what was just, you know, a crushing, crushing way to lose. And, you know, it, 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 to me, not only do you have this crushing uh, loss to UCLA, you got to make that long West Coast playing trip back. And then who do you face? Louisiana Tech, whom you don't have a whole lot of history with, right? There's no conference implication. So whether they win or lose doesn't really make any movement in the Sunbelt West. Yeah, do the Jags have a hard time coming up to for this game? Uh, Dusty, did the, the Jags have sort of the maturity to, to beat this Louisiana Tech team. I think that is actually the, the key to the game and whether or not, you know, Kane Womack, the governor, stands up before the team and, and kind of takes it on the chin for, for making that call there for the fake field goal. Yeah. And whether or not they, they have lost faith in the coach, I, I doubt they have after one game. And if he's willing to stand up and say that, I, I, still, like, I still like the Jags. I think the Jags showed last week even in that loss at UCLA that they are legit and, and can compete with anybody. Jags are a 13-point favorite. And you know what? I, I think the Jags, I think they do pull this out. I do not like those points, though. I don't think they overcome those points. All right, you know what? You are in for a treat, Shane. You being new to the Sun Belt, not knowing all of its history, not feeling all of its rivalry. This is one of the, this is the OG rivalry. The original gangsta rivalry of the Sun Belt. I'm talking Louisiana at ULM, 7 o'clock p.m. on ESPN Plus. You know what? It shouldn't be on the Plus. And first of all, why is this game even being played now? Shouldn't it be being played during a rivalry week? I mean, this is a premier, <laughs> premier rivalry uh, game for the Sun Belt. Seems to be starting really early this year. Dusty, please explain. Per the Cajuns, they are not rivals with <laughs> with Monroe in any sport in any fashion beyond <laughs> partially sharing the name. Ah, yes, what a rivalry thing to say. I, <laughs> I think the Warhawks used last week as a bye. Okay, yeah, why not? And prepped. In addition to that, the Warhawks are amazing at home. All four wins last year in the friendly confines of Malone Stadium. Warhawks get the win this week. Write it down. <laughs> you know, the Cajuns look terrible against Rice. And ULM, you know, the Malone Stadium isn't an easy place to play when you're the visitor. And yeah, they probably, you know, they might have even learned a few things playing against Alabama. And who knows just how demoralized the Cajuns are right now. Shane, what do you think? What's what's your fancy pants East Coast observation? Huh. <laughs> it's hard to argue with what you guys have said. I mean, it's understandable why Louisiana is the favorite in this one, but it's a tough situation for them to go in coming off that loss. 
you know, obviously Monroe's coming off loss too, <laughs> but he like this <laughs> different different situation. Right. They're get they're getting home. This is you know out here on the fancy pants East Coast, we've talked a lot about how for JMU this is the game going to App State. This is the game they've been waiting for. This is what uh-huh. this is what the season this is when the season really begins. And I can see that being a little bit that situation for ULM, where you know it was a game they had to win. If they didn't, it was a disaster. Two games they were never going to win. Now the season begins, and I can see them really being up for this one. Yeah. So is that true though, uh, uh, Dusty? Has ULM been? Are they really up for this game? Is this knowing that the season's probably another season of rebuilding? Is this the game that circled the, the hardest? I think so because I think it's a statement game when you can win in state because if nothing else it's going to help with the recruiting front you know you got to go head to head with the Cajuns whenever you're talking to kids from the south Louisiana trying to get them to the north side so it, it's it's bigger than just what happens on the field I think this is a game that can lay the foundation for the success or a delayed success on the recruiting front Cajuns are a nine point favorite according to Vegas I, I don't like those points I, I feel like it's going to be closer than that I think maybe the Cajuns win by a field goal in this game. That's what it feels like to me. I, I don't. I don't know if if, if my feelings are are, are going to be correct on that. I, I I just feel like it's going to be a much closer game. I just feel that in my thoughts. I feel like Louisiana plays nothing but close games, and this one feels like another one. <laughs> Except for the certain one certain game in Tuscaloosa, but we won't talk about that. So looking at the last few games, though, they've all been decided by a score or less. No. Last, no year, last year was a five-point game. No. 2020, a bad example because that was a quitting year of, of COVID. Stupid COVID year. 2019, a one-point game. 18, three-point game. Six-point game in 17 that was in overtime. It's a close game every time. Would not be surprised to see a Warhawks upset. And uh, I, I'd be delighted to see it as a citizen of the West, of the Sunbelt West, give uh, some other guys an opening to, to trump the Cajuns. Very good. Go Warhawks. Week four coming up, guys. The first quarter of the season is over. I yeah. think it just shed a tear. <laughs> Either because of that or plugs, promos, parting shots. Jeremy, start us off. Oh, uh, yeah, I-, I could do that. Hmm, what's my plugs, promos, and parting shots? You know what? I'm going to pass it down to Shane while I think of that. Okay, I'll I'll just plug <laughs> dnronline.com where you can find everything we write about JMU and the rest of the Sun Belt. It's okay. About us. Very good read, plug. Read our stuff. That's the plug. Plug and a promo there. And parting shot i cannot wait to get down the boon see what it's all about and avoid all the madness of game day and i'm glad it wasn't this week it was awesome they got to do it last week and now i'll go down there see some leaves see some mountains that are a little bit different than the mountains i got in my backyard and see what boon's all about i'm 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 thrilled my plug, Warhawk Report, we actually wrote a summary of that first quarter of the Sunbelt Conference action, breaking down what all has happened, not happened. Make sure like to Winners, read. losers, and everything in between. Oh, okay. What, it, it, give us a taste. You know, just one tidbit, one, one piece of insight. JMU's for real. Oh, come on. That's a too easy. I want, I want deep, penetrating insight. Guess you got to go there and check it out. Oh, classic. That's such good marketing. On a sad note, though, I did learn today of the passing of Amos Olateo, a Nigerian basketball player at ULM, apparently Mm -hmm. passed in a car accident. So thoughts and prayers for the Warhawk family. Definitely. And one of the guys that was key in rebuilding the basketball program from those APR sanctions. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, plugs, promos from me, of course, check out howraiser.com. You know, every week we do a preview of the upcoming games. Every week we do a dissection of the games that have happened. 
of course, we follow uh, Arkansas State, so there's always some inside information to Arkansas State. But my parting, my parting shot is: Do you guys watch Cobra Kai? I haven't seen any of the new season. Uh huh. Uh-huh. How about you? How about you, Dusty? Never saw Karate Kid even. What? <laughs> How is that possible? Were you born in the USSR? No, I was born on a military base. <laughs> oh, oh, well, then that, that I'm quite surprised that you haven't seen Cobra Kai, but or Karate Kid for that matter. But what the premise of the whole show is that they've taken the characters from Karate Kid, and now they're older. They're all like not not my age. They're older than my age. Like in their fifties, they're these old guys doing karate. You got Johnny, who is the big bully in Karate Kid, and then you got. Uh, Daniel Son, who is he's got a car dealership now, and he's kind of full of himself. And they get into karate adventures, but uh, they also have the supervillain in it, this guy named John Kreese, who ran Cobra Kai back in the eighties. He's a sort of quasi commando guy, and he's really villainous and evil. Well, somehow he gets in in, in season five of Cobra Kai, he ends up getting railroaded and thrown in prison. And while he's in prison, uh, he's kind of bullied by some of the prisoners who keep stealing his jello. And the reason why John Kreese isn't doing anything about it, he's trying to get out of prison with good behavior, so he's not getting into fights. Well, that whole scenario kind of goes out the window. So through the power of karate, he starts kicking everybody's butt in the prison. And then he says to the guy that's been stealing his jello, now you give me your jello. And I laughed my ass off. I was like, yeah. And that's how I felt about the Sun Belt taking on the Power Five this year, guys. We're taking their jello. Their jello belongs to us now. <laughs> that's my parting shot. You can take it or leave it. Edit that out, Dusty.